This episode of LedgerCast is brought to you by Brave New Coin. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check them out. Thank you to Brave New Coin for being a full partner of LedgerCast and everything that we're doing. They offer amazing stuff over at Brave New Coin. You can get excellent news and analysis. I start my day with their newsletter. You can just go straight to the homepage, sign up right there. They have a daily uh, newsletter and a weekly digest if that's more your thing. They have breaking crypto news feeds that you can check out. Uh, And then they have these great data products. My favorite thing to chart is the BLX. Uh, That is a full historical record of Bitcoin price. Uh, And they have other great data products for you. If you don't know about Brave New Coin, you need to know about Brave New Coin. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check it out. And thank you so much to them for being a LedgerCast partner. Now here's the show. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I am here with Josh Olswich. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, I am excited. This is the podcast doubleheader. So, you know, people may be listening to this one. They may be listening to uh, Coin Artists. But hopefully, you know, we are just all up in their ears this weekend. So, And, and now we have, we both have top tier industry leading audio devices. So. Audio audio device <laughs> enhancements. You've got a, a, a new mic. And we're running on basically the same equipment now. So I hope everybody's enjoying it. And thanks to Brave New Coin for helping out with that, you know. Of course. So uh, we're going to talk about some news and some price and stuff. Um, For the sake of people listening, Bitcoin at this moment is about $10,375 per Uh, It's been a little bit of a rocky road the past couple of days, Uh, but before we dig into technical analysis, uh, let's talk about some of the newsy stuff that has been going on, and uh, we can start with the crypto news, especially because last time we talked more about the like generic macro stuff going on in the world. Um, What do you think are the top things impacting price today in terms of crypto news? So the past week, there's been this uh, swirling FUD about this Chinese Ponzi holding $3 billion. <laughs> and, and it sounds absurd until you actually look at the wallet addresses and you realize, yeah, they're actually holding 2 to $3 billion, uh, Check, or Checks out. At least some some addresses are holding this amount of money. Is there evidence and of this exchange, in, going to exchanges or something? Yeah, so they're sending it to Bittrex and Huobi. Uh, very likely Binance as well, but uh, it's BTC, ETH, EOS, XRP, I think, too, maybe. Um, and it's your classic Ponzi scheme. They were promising people in China 6 to 12% returns a month or something like that with some sort of multi-level marketing thing. And apparently these are rife in China. Not not all of them are necessarily this big. but So this is called the plus of- token. Yep, and a lot of them are using crypto, or all of them are using crypto. So, you know, <laughs> this is uh, this is part of the game, I guess. When we talk about having a decentralized, permissionless ledger where anybody can do anything, is uh, yeah. I, I mean, is this the one one of those things where the Ponzi is illegal and they can, you know, the exchanges should be freezing these assets as they are delivered, or is that not a good thing. I mean, there were people talking about that. I think that's a bad road to go down in general. Obviously, because if the, I'm long the exchanges or are making short, the judgment. 
Yeah, I mean, they're the gatekeeper ultimately anyway, but if I'm in a position and stuff's going down that I don't know about, I'm obviously disappointed, but is is the exchange controlling the the account more important than the decentralized nature of of everything, you know? Mm. Yeah. You, you could argue that just being on an exchange makes it not decentralized anyway, so... I don't know. I don't know really where I stand on that. I mean, I'd rather just have everything be fungible and just it is what it is. Obviously, these people are going to go to jail or whatever the punishment is in China. But it's just going to keep happening. I mean, we when I was on um, the stage and we were talking about uh, exchanges, I said in uh, the what what conference was that? Anyway, we're we're talking about exchanges, and I was like, "Is there going to be another BitConnect?" And everyone was like, "Of course there is," and like, "This is basically another BitConnect, except I'm pretty sure it's way bigger uh, than BitConnect was." Yeah, and it's probably been going on since the time of BitConnect, mid 2018. So it basically just replaced BitConnect directly. I mean, timeline wise, uh, for and for the record, kinda, people were kind of saying like, "Why are they selling now?" shouldn't they you know don't they want a better price and it's kind of like a race against like the exchange potentially closing or halting um your account versus like authorities halting that or or the nature um, of a ponzi depending on how leveraged the person is on the ponzi then uh a 10 percent 15 percent correction in bitcoin could force them to have to do this if people are trying to call those funds back. That's how a Ponzi fails is when the price goes down and you can't service the people that have been putting the money in asking for the money back. Right, but I'm pretty sure it's over anyway. So it's like (laughs) all the people who put money in the Ponzi are all, they all lost all their money. They're They're not. So they're not not even pretending to service money to anybody that put it in. No, not not to my knowledge, but that that could be incorrect, but based on what I've read, it's over. Um, so, Dovey so yeah, Wine, is that how you pronounce her name? Uh, sure. Dovey Wine is, she seems to be like kind of on the forefront of like a lot of the news coming out of Asia, or at least uh, a liaison to the English speaking world. Uh, in terms that is of a, a good word. Stuff. That is a better word than I was going to use. But yes, <laughs> uh, she is. A, she is a bit of an in-between, a go-between the uh, Chinese and Western or Eastern and Western uh, crypto markets, which are pretty segregated just based on language and uh, platforms used. You know, they use Baidu, they use WeChat. Yeah. Crypto mainly uses Telegram and uh, at least uh, Western. Western crypto. Telegram, Twitter, that sort of thing. Yeah. Discord. So- She's the one that called attention to this, according to Cointelegraph. Um, and 10 million investors took part in this. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just odd that this just now surfaced here, even though it's been going on yeah. for yeah. a long time. And it just makes you wonder, like, what else is going on that we don't really know about? You know, we we um, Everyone's talking about institutional money coming in, and that was the reason for the run-up from April to... Uh, July or whatever, but <laughs> maybe maybe it was just some Ponzi buying up the market. You know, we don't know. Yeah, no, um, I have no idea. Yeah. It, but it, it's not good. You know, it's it puts a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth, especially new investors who uh, basically see this and think like, you know, the market's not mature enough yet. Yeah, even uh, institutional. 
It's just crazy to me. Uh, I also saw an article saying, uh, also related to the Asian markets, I guess, that the the so-called kimchi premium uh, mm-hmm. had been obliterated. Um, yeah. Was that due yeah, to some been... of this news or was this just kind of a more price action related thing? No, I mean, the kimchi premium has been down. I've been tracking it on the Brave New Coin articles. I always talk about it when I talk about the exchanges and it's been basically nothing for a long time. So mm. I don't okay. think that's, that's any not relevance like really. A, it's not a new one, not a new development. No, I don't think so. No. So the, the $3 billion Ponzi dump. So the idea is just that they're, they're dumping their Bitcoin and their Ethereum providing consistent selling pressure. Uh, and that well, somebody was selling like hundreds of BTC on Binance just over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this was a few days ago before like anybody sort of knew what, what the hell was going on. And then it came to light that, you know, maybe this is this plus token stuff. Gotcha. So it's pretty coincidental. Yeah. But there's been, there's been selling pressure and let's see on this rally. I mean, there was a, over a week of just pushing up really hard off the local lows, got up, got back up to a little over 12 K. And, um, since then, you know, in the past day or so, we've seen a, a little bit more movement. But, you know, people were counting like there's been 12 or 13 straight four-hour red candles once we broke off of about 11.4. Well, um, I said, I didn't say this to you, but I said this in some chat I was in the other day. I was like, this this feels like one person just sitting on the price. Yeah. Like a lot of people claim like manipulation up or down all the time. But when you've been in in this market enough and you see it every day and you see how stuff is trading there comes a point when you're like okay this this is not organic this is <laughs> i mean it's organic in the sense that it's it's trading volume it's happening it's, whatever it's actually happening it's, um, it's not something wasn't right and definitely that's what i noticed a couple days ago yeah but you know reminds, leading up to the to, go ahead it just reminds me of the mount gox seller uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what it felt like. It felt like all those other times when it's just one person just dumping like a whale dumping, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not good nor bad. It's just like, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's bad if it's bad if you're hodling or if you're long. I mean, if you're hodling, you're ecstatic you're because you're like, okay, cheap corns. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, well, that's a, uh, that's a reverse mentality that I don't abide by. <laughs> that's i mean that i bought with uh spot on coinbase for the first time in a long time uh after, you know when i saw like 14 to four hour red candles it's like okay yeah. get uh, those, i guess it's, get those 10k bitcoins let's go boys you know <laughs> um, back the truck up but last week last sunday when we had that break of 10 2 10 8 whatever it was you know we had talked I don't know how many how many weeks it's been since we last talked. Three, maybe. Um, we talked about the PBOC seven dollar fix or seven yeah. yuan fix. Yeah, big macro um, news. Yeah, possibly breaking, and that's you know that's that happened <laughs> exactly uh, as night. the uh, Sunday open was happening. So it all kind of came together really nicely. Yeah, and that's running around 7.046 right now. So had the breakout, made the move really quickly, and then it's been in a, I don't know what you call this, kind of a 
funky consolidation since then. I mean, it's not very organic in the first place, but um, if you look at the daily chart of it, it basically looks like a clean breakout retest and then, you know, just chilling. Not that I want to apply too much technical analysis to that, but I've heard some good arguments since then. One was that the uh, interesting is an alternative take, if you will. It was that the Chinese didn't want to let their currency go, but they were basically forced to um, just because of the uh, the way their economics are working right now. Um, so that was a interesting take, and I don't know. There's still all this macro stuff going on. Still seeing a lot of well, something else craziness. In something the else to look at when you're comparing, like when you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on in the market. Like so, the yuan, uh, the USD, CNH, whatever, CNY. Mm-hmm. dropped dramatically and so we had been tracking basically one-to-one with that uh, btc usd so to see btc usd fall with the usd cny fall that made sense but then when usd cny bounced and btc usd kept dropping right that's when another thing i was like okay something's not right here <laughs> like yeah correlation isn't causation it doesn't always have to track one-to-one blah 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 but um that was another tip off like there's something going on right now that we don't know about you know at least I didn't know about at the time. Yeah, it seems like there was something afoot, especially uh, the candle a couple days ago where it was like an extra day of pain for crypto that didn't translate to the rest of the rest of the world. Uh, and then uh, if you look at alts, there was, you know, ETH, ETH, XRP, EOS, all the alts kind of just did nothing while BTC was dumping. And then all at once they dumped like 20%. Yeah, like literally at the same minute, you know, it, and that's another tip off that like, okay, <laughs> something, I don't know something, but something's going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they made a, a little bit of, I don't know what you'd call that if, if I'm looking at the overall dominance, a dead <laughs> cat bounce of sorts for a few days. Uh, and now it looks like three days or so of resumed downward pressure, which is just a trend continuation that's been happening for quite some time. But um, yeah, I mean, alts continue to, if they outperform Bitcoin, they still are barely outperforming the dollar, if at all. Um, I mean, the only reason those pairs, BTC pairs bounced was because they held flat while BTC dumped. Right, because they'd already died so much. Right, (laughs) right. Right. And that, in your altcoin analysis that you did on Brave New Coin this week, that's kind of what you expressed as well. You did, let's see, Stellar, Ethereum, XRP, 0x. No, Ethereum was from the 9th. So this week you've done Stellar, XRP, 0x. Uh, did any of those really stand out? Is there anything special happening? Yeah, I'll say I'll say there's something small about ETH, ETH of them, each of them. <laughs> um, ETH, the biggest thing with ETH is the volume, exchange volume. It's just been down since October, basically, and hasn't come back. I mean, it's just, that's never a good sign. Um, crypto kind of is, its lifeblood is volume of any kind. So to see volume just drop off the table is not good. Um, Stellar and XRP... Both have their on-chain stuff like at the higher range of what they have had ex- historically, but the technicals don't look great. Obviously, you know, to watch XRP break its twenty-three cent peg or whatever it was, thirty-three cent peg. Yeah, um, it was the real number. It was one daily, 
that went from about 30 cents and on Kraken at least all the way down to 23. Um, yeah, that's when uh, that's when that uh, the alts all got dumped. And when you look at that volume profile too, it's like, you know, it was consolidating heavily regardless mm-hmm. of what the chart was, was saying or showing. Uh, the volume consolidation was massive and then it made a decision, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely down. So that doesn't look great for XRP, certainly. Not that it ever not that it did for the past like four hundred and eighty days, but uh, <laughs> is if it held if it holds a range, it's okay. It's once it breaks below that range then you start to get concerned. Yeah. Yeah. It really really fell apart on that USD chart. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter, I apologize that I can't remember who it was, but they made a comparison that XRP looks like it's having its uh, equivalent of Bitcoin's 6K breakdown uh, because mm-hmm. it consolidated after the top in early 2018. It A downward consolidation, like almost looks like a large descending triangle um, that it broke down from. So, you know, maybe it is finding some kind of bottom or whatever, but I don't know. The, there's always there's just so much selling pressure on XRP from the team themselves. Even mm-hmm. in, even exactly. when they're the thing that propels XRP is retail and people that are, you know, for some reason interested in XRP, bank coin type stuff. And there's just not enough of those people to make up for Ripple dumping all over people on a regular basis because they that's what they do, <laughs> you know. Uh, so for me, when I'm looking to say like, okay, well, these are the ones I want to play. I've tried with XRP, but it's hard, you know, like if you're up and you can see even on weekly candles, it's like, okay, here's one week where it's like, bam, big up move for some reason. But then it's just the slow bleed off from that. And it seems so consistent to to do that. Well, talking about like organic versus inorganic, that does not look, you know, that chart doesn't look organic either. <laughs> so. Yeah, especially... Especially when you look at it relative to the BTC pair, uh, but both of them really. Um, but I think yeah, the BTC pair spikes. Yeah, it's it's really weird spikes. It's almost like some of the large holders are purposefully going in and saying, you know, we're gonna we need to stair step this up or elevator up real quick so that we can you know walk down the stairs while we dump all over people at these higher levels. It's um, what it looks like to me, at least. Because it's, yeah. it's kind of it cheap. Below. It's cheap to pump it right. 30% uh, so that you can then work it de- back down that 30% over the course of a month or something. Mm-hmm. The um, the previous triangle consolidation before it broke out to a dollar or whatever, the, the point of that is like 0.23 or something. You have to go to the bitstamp chart, I think, to see it. But okay. um, like the VPVR level, so you know, if it breaks below that, there's really nothing below to support any further down move. Um, so, like Peter Brandt, <laughs> so all these articles. Anytime Peter Brandt tweets out a chart, there's all these articles about it. Um, I, and I, that's the only reason I saw it. But he's talking about XRP going back to two cents. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, if it breaks below uh 2-1 or whatever that is yeah uh it's not great you know there's not a lot of volume up below 2-1 so yeah it doesn't look great for xrp nope it does not uh and uh frankly i don't feel too bad about saying that (laughs) yeah 
You know, the one thing I like about the 22, 23 cent area is that is precisely where it started its December 2017 ridiculous pump. It had, you know, it, it stayed down there like sub 30 cents the whole time Bitcoin was moving up. That's when it was just dying and dying and dying relative to BTC. And it made that move to $3 from around 23 cents. So that's where it wicked down to, like on Bitstamp, is that horizontal. So there's a case that, you know, it can be salvaged there. But like you said, the volume profile, I'm sure, on this is awful below it. Like going back to, you know, whatever its original days are, 2015, 2016, that I don't even see on this chart. But yeah. Yeah. There, if people are still holding from that triangle in um, 2017 and they see it break below their buy in level, um, you, you bet your bottom dollar they're going to be panic selling that. Uh, at least people who are, you know, somewhat informed, I think, would say, okay, enough's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, XRP had a chance there. I mean, I was bullish on XRP for a minute. Um, it broke down from the yeah, it pattern. Did. It did. It looked good. It looked kind of like coffee and accumulation type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it just broke. It looked ready for a markup period. And then it faked out for above 48, 50 cents for like a hot second. And it just used that as the catalyst to tank. It was ugly. Pretty ugly. Um, and if you look at, uh, uh stellar stellar had a macro inverted head and shoulders was above the cloud looked good and it didn't just didn't find any bullish momentum and now it's just down heavy i think part of that is the um airdrops that they've been uh releasing through blockchain.com and coinbase Mm. yeah i think people are just like me what did i do with my coinbase stellar hmm (laughs) you know (laughs) Yeah, I uh, redeemed it and sold it, so I'm sure that's what a lot of people are doing. Uh, I have a weekly pulled up on Stellar that is one of the ugliest charts I've seen in a while. I mean, it looks a lot like the Ripple chart, but uh, yeah, where this one based back in 2016 and early 2017 was 0.002 cents, and it's still at six cents. So like the, the percent down potential despite being down so much is another 95 (laughs) percent you know relative to the dollar yeah so yeah that's certainly possible and i do you know comparing stellar to xrp i actually do like what stellar is doing versus xrp even though it's kind of the same stuff um they're they're doing more dex stuff they're doing more like stable coin stuff it's also Jed McCaleb, so that's it is what it is. But uh, yeah. but technically, yeah. technically, it's got more stuff going on, like as in the actual software tech. To me, it seems like there's better dev stuff going on versus XRP, where it's all like banking partnerships and like headlines and PR. Yeah, I had somebody complain but, to me because I tweeted about XRP in a negative way, and uh, oh no, yeah. <laughs> but their complaint was like, "Don't you know their partnerships?" And my response yeah. to that is, I mean, okay, well, do they need XRP for those partnerships? Does any bank want to actually use XRP as part of their transfer process or their SWIFT replacement or whatever you want to call it? Like, no, they just want to potentially use some Ripple technology, but they don't need XRP. XRP is pointless. Sorry. We've all come to terms with that, except for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like um, 
Uh, the same thing with Iota. You know, when I talked about Iota and was casting dispersions upon someone's bags, uh, you know, they said the same thing. You know, it's all about the partnerships with XYZ German auto company, you know. And it's like, well, uh, is there anything going on with that? Are they using the token? You know, nah, yeah. And that's why when LTC started announcing all these partnerships, the same thing pops into my head. Like, is anybody <laughs> actually using the token besides putting the, the, the word LTC on a, on a mat, on a ring and for MMA, you know, like, mm-hmm. who cares? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The only, not to defend Litecoin, more but litecoin is trying to be some kind of money so like trying to get it from a name perspective into the lexicon of people interested in crypto or people interested in digital cash like as some kind of fast alternative to the bitcoin blockchain might be the way you could go about that i could maybe defend that a little more than you know random pr for bank coin banking stuff but that's a hobbyist's take it is. Layman has no idea what Litecoin is. You know, it's like seeing these Dash or Bcash ads in like Venezuela. Yeah. It's like, okay, like cool. What? What? You know, who cares? I'm trying to. I'm starving. I'm trying to live here. You know. And speaking about a uh, fall from grace, I feel like Dash. It made one of the most insane moves up. I just remember it being a a, a Dash full node being worth $1.5 million <laughs> for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's down so much, but more than it being down, because everything is down, all these altcoins, more than it being down is you're like, I just don't hear about Dash at all anymore. You know, like, is there anything worse for an altcoin than just being disappeared off of the uh, the menu of conversation? Yeah, I forget the, the quote, but... Uh... <laughs> Something about like going off into oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's why, you know, everybody, that's why these partnerships, these headlines and all this other stuff, like to drum up some sort of interest in these projects because there's just none, you know, on, uh, unless you're in crypto in the crypto bubble, you just have no idea what any of this stuff is. Yeah. And that's for the macro side of things, I guess. To me, that is what's most concerning is that. Um, there seems as much, I don't know if I want to call it institutional, but money manager interest, like people that are taking Bitcoin seriously as a alternative, uh, or additive hedge, uh, alongside something like gold. I feel like that conversation is being taken very, taken very seriously, but I feel like it's being, uh, discussed in small finance circles, uh, so you have to either convince these people with very, very big pockets, but the people that are retail, the ones that helped drive 2017, they're just not back. Like for the most part, unless they just hodled or maybe they sold, but they bought some coins back. People that were out, like they got out during 2018 at some point, they're not, they're just not back. Like I feel like they're just writing it off, you know, and establishing buy pressure to uh, go the next level, reach all-time highs is really, I mean, really, if we once we definitively break above, you know, this 12K stuff, really the next big level is going back to test 16 to 20K where we spent very little time in 2017. And the bear case for me is that without some big macro 
help, I don't see like the retail reasoning for that occurring. So it's almost like you have to breach the all-time high uh, in order to get that back back in the news, like back into people's interests saying, oh, it's crypto back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little more optimistic. So every conference I've been at the past year and a half is always talking about institutional this, institutional that. And uh, the big concerns were always custody and ed- education. That's changing with TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, and Bact. which, did we talk about Bact yet or no? No, that'll be Can't it. Remember. We, can, we can go there uh, next. We'll seg you into that. Seg you? Uh, is that how you say it? I'll no, say segue. Uh, yeah, so everybody's talking about institutional this, blah, blah, blah. And I agree with you that retail is a bit scorned. Um, you know, Travis Kling, I was at some conference and he was saying, uh, retail will never come back. They lost all their money. They're angry, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, you know, when it's in the headlines every day, like it was a few weeks ago, you know, people are going to see it and pay attention to it. Your family's going to ask you about it. And the whole and, point uh, of retail, start buying. the whole point of retail you is know? it doesn't have to be the same retail participants from last time. Like there are more potential retail investors that did not get involved last time that can get involved this time. So it doesn't have to be the same people. And I'd argue that uh, some of them made money. You know, I know I know some of them who made money. So <laughs> I don't think they're all upset or discouraged from entering, re-entering the market at any point. So yeah. if we start to see it, you know, everywhere like we did a couple weeks ago uh yeah i mean i agree we're going to retest 1620 pretty quickly i think 13 is the key level there's a um yearly pivot there Mm. for bitcoin i haven't opened Um, up the yearly pivots in a minute i've been most i mean i've been mostly watching that 11 6 ish zone because that was a we that's where we hit the weekly close in july uh Mm -hmm. that's where we hit the weekly Mm -hmm. close uh, last week and it's also the weekly close before we really entered the bear market back in February of 2018. So to me, it's like, okay, once we definitively get above 11.5 on a weekly scale, then I think the candles from 11.5 to 16 to 20 will be pretty pretty large. And a quick uh, side thought after looking at that chart reminded me of the Mt. Gox custodian. Uh, this plus token stuff is like two Mt. Goxes as far as the, <laughs> the amount of... <laughs> coin that they were holding so Yikes. Uh, if we can survive survive that you know in this range that'd be pretty healthy whether you're an enterprise fund manager or a retail trader buying and selling cryptocurrencies successfully requires price discovery you can rely on brave new coins liquid indices provide trusted us dollar prices for bitcoin ethereum and ripple featuring end of day or intraday outputs you can count on the blx elx and xrplx for accurate us dollar pricing for smart contract oracles settlement price discovery net asset valuation and performance analysis visit bravenewcoin.com to find out more yeah one aside from this is the other, the other, I'm not trying to bear all over this because I'm just trying to provide counterpoints because I am bullish. I'm with you. Um, but what if the U.S. is steering towards a recession? Because the 2016 to 2017 hype was also basically a, a blow-off top for regular markets. You know, it was mm-hmm. economic uncertainty was quite low. Uh, everything was pumping in the age of Donald Trump being president and mm-hmm. other stuff. 
And our entire bear market was pretty much alongside a sideways regular market or whatever. Um, if we're veering towards recession, uh, it's going to be harder to get retail. Like you may still get the hedge folks, the institutional interest scared of a falling dollar or scared of currency wars, whatever. But you may not get the retail participants because they just don't have another dollar to put towards something that's a risk on asset. So it's risk off currency, but it's risk on relative to, you know, <laughs> buying bread. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing we really don't know. People like to say it's risk this or risk that, but the reality is it was created in 2008 and it's been a bull market since then, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so we don't know. Uh, bull market on uh, legacy. So it's, you know, it's been one to one, right? With uh, with legacy markets, yeah, at least in the U.S. So talk, talk to me about backed. This is some news right now. It looks like it uh, could be pushing our markets up as we speak. Um, this came out today, Friday. Uh, yeah, so all this, all of these institutional, again, F, uh, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, backed, even this Coinbase custody stuff, all of this is like an ETF foreplay. You know, it's like we're we're inching our way towards an ETF in the United States. We have ETNs, we have ETPs, we have Grayscale, GBTC, um, all their products. Eventually, we will get an ETF, which is like the gold standard. I'm just saying, backed is like ETF foreplay is definitely title worthy. <laughs> well, it is. It's like you know, it's physically delivered Bitcoin futures. <laughs> Anything that any physically delivered Bitcoin product is going to be superior superior to, to a futures product, like yeah. CME CME uh, cash settled futures product, just because uh, they can't like hypothecate. They can't use like fake, um, fake numbers or whatever, you know, to uh, move price around. They have to actually hold the BTC, you know. So there's some certainly some volatility risk there, whatever, blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, it's all good. And you know, to the counterpoint to this is that Coinbase lost banking in uh, UK apparently with Barclays mm -hmm. this week as well, which is like originally it was like such a big deal, you know. Oh, Barclays. Uh, didn't they even have like um, insurance through Barclays or something too? Yeah, I think that's where their like FDIC equivalent style insurance came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, so backed, it was supposed to launch and then it got delayed. So this is saying they got the they got the clearance. So they're launching for real, for real, September twenty third. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. It's like RSX. It's like all this stuff, you know. Yeah. When it. Launching is one thing. Saying you're launching is another thing. Actually having volume is like what really matters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Are people actually going to use this stuff? It's like the CME stuff. It started off small. Um, people got comfortable with it, I think. The CME, the problem with the CME is that it's like you need what, like five BTC minimum to even trade? Yeah, I think that's the size uh, of one a contract. contract. So there's a lot of collateral you need. It's definitely not a retail platform <laughs> um, for, for retail traders, for sure. And, uh, yeah, it's – and it closes on weekends. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's – I really don't think you have a reason to trade it if you're connected to all these exchanges um, in crypto land. Yeah, it seems to me the only reason to play it is because you have a macro thesis because otherwise the risks are too severe. I mean, I've got a weekly chart pulled up right now and these gaps are obs they're obscene. 
<laughs> yeah, they are. Or you just don't want to hold on. Like custody again is a custody thing. Yeah. Um, peak, some people just rather trade cash. Peak volume at features. CME. Volume was gigantic relative to its own history. Uh, the week of May 13th, which was when we broke above 6,400 definitively. So that was that's interesting to note. Um, but it's been down yeah, since was, then, but it kind of in a cons- that, consolidation way. It's hard to look at the volume and actually know what's going on, though, because each contract is 5 BTC. Yeah. So you have to sort of do some conversions on, like, USD notional value. So, yeah, like, contract all-time high was um, May whatever and it's been down since then but usd wise it's not down that much you know what i mean yeah because these are the volume is based on number of contracts right yeah and if you look at that relative to volume on like a bitmex or something like that um then that was a big week for volume for bitmex but it had a bigger week in june which was not which was when we made the high at 14k which wasn't represented represented by number of contracts on uh, CME. And that's also shown pretty similarly on the BLX, Brave New Coin Liquid Index, where that volume looks a little smoother. Like the BitMEX volume peak, it looks like a really, like a super hyper (laughs) blow off top on that June peak at 14K, whereas BLX looks Mm -hmm. a little more cool and collected because it's based on spot exchanges. Can- is that the 20 SMA on the weekly you have up? Yeah. Yeah. So those are Bollinger band midlines on the weekly that uh, are around 8,600. So that's, that's the zone when I'm looking at this, like you, we got to mm-hmm. retest these weekly B bands at some point. Um, it would mm-hmm. not surprise me since the type of week we have going right now. And it's also where we had a weekly close weekly breakout before if we have another week down, um, to me, that 86, 8,700, 8,800, something such as like sub 9K wick up, to me, that's the that's the go long on margin type of play, personally. Yeah, and just sitting, sitting and living through this volatility of like up, down, up, down week is like miserable and brutal, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, like us consolidating between 9 and 12, for seven weeks, whatever it is, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's crazy bullish. Certainly more bullish than bearish. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I I finally had to come to terms with it, and I did a little tweet thread and a video about how, hey, uh, just FYI, you know, this was back in May, like right after we broke sixty four hundred, I think. Uh, I was like, so we're on pace to break all time highs this year. <laughs> that didn't seem possible. Like our mentality has shifted in the past couple of months by a significant degree. Um, and now I think about it and like, oh, sure, it's, you know, we could totally break all-time highs in 2019, but it, that was not where my headspace was uh, leading into the summer. So it's kind of incredible what the course of two or three months of Bitcoin price action, what it can do to like adjust to your mindset. Um, so if we were to just consolidate for a longer period of time, even if we could do go down to 8K, I, I it doesn't affect where my brain's at, you know, like mm-hmm. to me, this is still a very bullish trend. Like when I go back, it looks, it was parabolic, but we touched the 20 week SMA many times over the course of 2016 mm-hmm. and 2017. So to say like, Oh man, if we go to 8,600 Bitcoin's dead, I'm like, okay, 
<laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, even looking at uh, like trend stuff like the cloud or the 200, um, we bounced on the inside of the bottom of the cloud several times on those 20 week SMA touches. And we're sort of headed on track for that now at like 8887, something like that on the daily cloud. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, obviously, it's not great if you're sitting through it, but having a higher time preference might be helpful. Yeah, I think it's always, um, it's it can be mentally exhausting if you're, you know, wanting to hold through, wanting to stick with the trend, but you're also living through 30% drawdowns and stuff, you know. Um, but I feel like when you when you work towards the macro and you think about the big picture, um, this is why it's Sicarius came on the show last year and he talked about always trying to keep 25% on the sidelines just so that he could buy these dips, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's why you want to, even if it feels wrong, like try to send some stuff to the sidelines. You may not maximize your profit potential selling the top, but you're going to build a little bit of a purse so that when you do have a 30% move down that you have the capacity to buy it. Um, not that and any of this is financial advice. Sure. No, I'm right. I agree with you completely, though. Um, even looking at that weekly cloud, like the fact that we're consolidating above the weekly cloud, I know, is massively bullish. Oh yeah, I t- massively. I thought back when this was occurring, you and I had talked about this. I thought nine k mm-hmm. tap the top of the cloud, like tap the bottom of the cloud, the underside, and then I thought it might take the mm-hmm. rest of 2019 to break even into the cloud. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I thought consolidation might be from 9K down to 6 or 7K, kind of w- walk underneath the cloud is kind of the terminology that your buddy Chaos Trader would use. <laughs> and uh, and we just busted right through it. And now we're, we're consolidating several weeks above the top of the cloud and this weekly cloud's going to go green and hey, party on, you know? Yeah, I mean, but your uh, scenario is also part of the decision tree. So like if we break the key June on the weekly, which is like eight, five, nine, five, whatever that is. Yeah. If we break below that, you know, once we're in the cloud, like we are on the daily, anything's fair game in that range. So it can just, it can go all the way to the bottom and go back all the way to the top. Like it, it'll be really messy. Oh yeah. If we break back into the cloud. Totally. But, but the weekly Bollinger bands, the d- weekly Keyjian, they're in, they're within a hundred dollars of each other right now. So yeah, if we yeah. if we break below this range, like if we lose those daily lows that we, we're now on, we've now taken our third test of 9,500, 9,600, that kind of range, that's your, okay, we're going to 85 to 86. If we go below 85 to 86, you're totally, I'm totally with you. In my mind, 85 to 86, 87, like that's when the risk reward is on your side. Yeah, I agree. You don't just get right. weekly Keyjian tests every day, Josh. There you go. Who are you? You sound like a cloud trader, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> same, for, same for those. Something else. Same for those weekly bands. You know, it's just, it's too good. Yeah. It's too good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look at the bearish weekly band tests as well. It's like people always tell me like TA this, TA that, back test this, back test that. But this is such a clear example of like when it was bullish, it was above. When it was bearish, it was below. And when it flipped that switch, it continu- it was continuation, you know? So yeah. the yep. trend is your friend until the end. So you just got to assume that the trend will continue, right? Yep. I like I mean, to... I read. 
Yeah, I like to keep it simple. Uh, the longer I've, you know, traded actively too, like the more simple I want to make it, uh, because otherwise I just question everything. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm using. I love if I can take a scenario like we just talked about weekly B bands, weekly Keishin within a hundred bucks. That's amazing because that gives me as a trend trader, which both of us are trend traders, I think, uh, gives me the opportunity to say, okay, this is a spot where if I can take advantage of it, I want to be prepared to take advantage of it. And if it fails, it fails. But I've been looking at strategies. I've really been trying to reduce the amount of things I'm paying attention to. Uh, So I've been paying attention to key horizontal levels, particularly on the weekly chart, some on the daily chart for some kind of breakpoint type of areas, some ranges. But then in a, mm-hmm. other than that, I've mostly kept the 200 and the 20 on my chart. It's not that I don't like the 50 or the 100 or uh, paying closer attention to the cloud and middle timeframes, that kind of thing. But for me, for the big moves, um, this Bollinger Band midline, 20 SMA, and then the 200 SMA on the daily, the weekly, and the four hour are all like really effective uh, for me to get a picture of the market. Yeah, I agree with paying attention to less things. Definitely helped me uh, initially in my trading journey. But, but that's part of the process. Like, first you get bamboozled and you're like, oh, I need to <laughs> figure out all these indicators and use all these indicators and look at OBV and RSI and MACD at the same time. And then eventually you're like, you know what? I don't really need any of that stuff. I just need to understand what's going on here on a very basic level. Yeah, and I don't want to... Uh, you know, under understate that an oscillator or something can't be good. I think I keep RSI on my chart a good bit, but it it's a additive help me feel better about what I'm already thinking based on other things type of situation. Um, right. And even speaking of the daily, the reason I feel like the weekly is good to look at right now is because the daily, if you look at like a cloud perspective or a, uh, a band perspective, it's not full bull on either of them. Um, mm-hmm. The cloud has mixed signals, basically, and the price is in the cloud, which means, hey, be prepared to range. Um, mm-hmm. But those weekly levels are basically the bottom of the daily cloud. like Not totally, but close. Like I could imagine wick below, close close a daily inside the cloud, that type of thing. Um, but it's not, the cloud's not fully telling you what to do on a daily basis right now. So... And another thing about the daily, when we were above, when we broke back above the daily cloud, above the key June a few days ago, when we broke above 10.8, 10.7, yeah. um, I was watching for a bullish TK cross and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So again, people talking about back testing, forward testing, does TA matter, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, the TK cross told you not to go full bore bull because it was a bearish TK cross, right? Yep. So we're waiting for a bullish TK cross above the cloud like there was in April. That was the full bore bull moment. So this tells me going forward, I'm looking for that bullish TK cross above the cloud. That's my moment, yeah. you know? And that could happen at 13K, you know? like it de- Right, that could happen. The price is irrelevant, really. Right. Uh, it just depends on the price action. The school of Carpe Noctum cloud trading would say that the four <laughs> bullish criteria are not fully met. That's right. That's that was one reason uh, I wasn't massively bullish, even though we were above the clouds. Yeah, I, and uh, just real quick, looking at the weekly ETH cloud is one thing I'm also watching. 
on a macro on a dollar basis. Um, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. It kind of looks like so. It looks like October 2014 Bitcoin a little bit. It looks like silver a little bit. Mm. How basically you get this extended downtrend, and you go sideways for a little bit, and the TK cross has a chance to flip bullish. And then you make a decision on the edge to edge, to edge back up to, in the ETH's case, it would be like 600 or something, whatever it is. Yeah. On the weekly. So that's just something I'm watching in the back of my head. Can I just say, back back when, when we said Ethereum 333 uh, mm-hmm. by May, that is where the three-day closed precisely. <laughs> It was, was it so we or was perfect. it me, Brian? Was it we or was it me? No, I'll I brought you. I brought you on to the three day chart, and uh, I forced you to accept the three thirty three because you were talking about okay. you were talking right. about different numbers, and I just I I enjoyed I enjoyed the all the perfection of <laughs> the three thirty three memes. The memory, the memory of three thirty three was too good. Uh, yeah. Ethereum is also a great example of the daily just being a mess. Like this daily USD is bearish while that, um, you know, pretty much everything's bearish, I guess, on Ethereum right now. Uh, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, the daily's below cloud, below 200. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily look organic either. The fact that it, the USD pair dumped a few days ago as hard as it did, um, I think a lot of that is based on the ETH ICO treasuries. Uh, Digex Dow dumped 30k USD the other day. Um, there's still two above two million sitting in treasuries uh, in ETH. Yeah. So ETH ETH has some issues. Yeah, Ethereum's wrecked, man. <laughs> like I just, it's not on my radar really of ones I want to be trading actively. Uh, well, back to the trading volume thing. It's like if there was actual trading volume to absorb the selling volume, correct? Then it'd be fine. If there were ICOs happening to absorb the selling pressure, that'd be fine. We're not really seeing ICOs right now. We're seeing instead of on ramping onto ETH, we're seeing ETH treasuries diminishing. So we're seeing off ramping, basically. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's not there's no, nothing there to absorb the market selling pressure. You know. It's like we might want to talk about you can talk about DeFi and all this other stuff all you want, but at the end of the day, it's like a bunch of whales, the ETH ICO treasuries are dumping. Nothing can absorb that. <laughs> and so price is going down. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah. And the prior best use case is fully winding down between with regards to like the ICOs and stuff. Not in the sense of there aren't new ICOs, but all the old ones, like you said, they are literally dying out, selling their tokens, all that kind of crap. Like it's gotta it's got to wash through all of that. And then maybe DeFi can take over and make up enough for uh a new a new use case for Ethereum. But right now it's a token that what's its what's its best use case? You know, it's not I don't I don't have great bullish arguments for old Ethereum, which probably means it's bottom. I always say that. I always say that just as a hedge. I mean, I'm right there with you. Other than they're, they have a million developers working on things in the ETH ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the most bullish thing. Whether the quality of the dev work is there, I don't know. But uh, just the fact that so many people are working on ETH stuff. Hey. It's certainly better than some of these alts like LTC, where it's like they have three devs, one of which doesn't do anything <laughs> anymore. You know? 
Uh, Poor Litecoin. It's hard for for me to be bullish on the LTC. I'll just say it like that. Yeah. Especially because, like you mentioned, the use case of being like BTC's spillway for transactions. If if BTC's... um, uh, What's the word? I can't think of the word, but... If BTC is handling transactions better, yeah, and there's no delays and whatever, like LTC's use case is nothing. Like, what is <laughs> LTC's use case? Uh, you know, it's silver. It's it's Bitcoin silver. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's fillings in the mouth. That's what it is. <laughs> fillings in the mouth. Uh, I want to finish to ask you if you've checked out this uh, Tezos cloud. Uh, oh God. This is, oh, you know, I did the other day, actually. It is a, it's exactly what I said I expected with uh, Bitcoin, where it went up to the bottom of the cloud and then it kind of walked down it. Mm. But it did get a bullish mm-hmm. TK cross on the daily, and it looks a lot like the last time Tezos did that, and then it kind of curled under the cloud before it broke through. So it makes me wonder if eventually, once Tezos breaks into, say, above 1250, 12.5K Satoshis, uh, I think there's a good trade there up to about 17k um but i already have a position my i just don't want to stop out of my position in barely any profit after holding it for a while because i held i swung it once when it was like doing the coinbase listing thing but for the most part just kind of letting it ride um so this is the exact uh setup that i was talking about with the weekly cloud on eth same thing, extended downtrend, sideways for a while. There's an Adam and Eve here. Uh, it even has the bullish TK cross. So to see this go back up to whatever that level is, 1776, mm-hmm. is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Sats. Um, it's about 17K yeah. sats. Freaking trading view took a zero off of their numbers. Okay, my bad. You can fix that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so whatever that cloud level is. Same exact situation. It's like, you know, I think the pair is trash and the project is trash, but technicals <laughs> look pretty good. Yeah. And on the dollar basis, it's a hot mess cloud wise. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, let me see. But I do get a lot of people. There's so many people with Tezos bags on Twitter. It's kind of comical. I love it. We're the, we're the Tezos army, baby. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I never want to say that again. Uh, <laughs> it fell below the daily Bollinger Bands. That's my biggest fear factor at the moment in terms of holding on. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see the 10K sats hold up because it's also a horizontal level to broke up from, all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's one of the, I, I should have taken a little bit more off the table, swung it around a little more. I hadn't done that so far. Been lazy with it, so... Got to be careful there, though. With those probably for the bulls, best. Bulls. I mean, if the upside is whatever percentage the upside is, potentially. Yeah, I think the upside's good. You're you're probably better off just saying, okay, let it sit tight. Yeah, maintain a certain exposure there and let her roll. But I feel mm-hmm. a little nervous doing that with any altcoin, as you've seen with the altcoin bloodbath that has been occurring. Mm-hmm. Do you have any big other price things that we should be thinking about? I don't really have anything else. I mean, I feel like... We, we just don't know. Uh, I was watching that range. I'd been talking about whatever it was, 11, 11.5 and 11K or 
you know, 10.9 to 11.5, whichever way it breaks off that, to me was like the deciding factor. And now it's determining whether we've found a bottom or not. So I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot to say because I don't. I don't know where we go from here. We're kind of in no man's land. Yeah, my last uh, BTC video, I was saying like ten seven ten eight would be the buy based on the cloud support and key June. But the problem with that is if that breaks, you get this edge to edge situation triggering from ten eight to eight eight, which is basically what we're in the middle of right now. Uh, on the cloud and it didn't exactly make it to the bottom there's this macro uh triangle we're sort of in as well i sent to you a telegram but uh yeah i don't know it's just a big ranging mess yeah if you, i don't really see any massive trades if, right now if you made me made me say where to, where i think i think uh i think that the likelihood of touching that weekly b band 86 8700 on a wick Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think having bids there is smart for sure. Yeah, it would be painful on the way there, but I feel like that makes yeah, a lot of sense to no pain, no no pain, no gain, baby. <laughs> that's right. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, Josh, what you got coming up this week? You writing about anything fun? Anything? Anything you want to preview? Tease? Yeah, let's, let's take a look. I got my old schedule. Pop it up here. What's next week? EOS, EOS, BTC, and ETH. That's on the docket for next EOS, week. EOS, BTC, and ETH. Excellent. We'll be looking out for that on Brave New Coin. And go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check out everything they got going on at Brave New Coin, including BNC Pro, which is like an all-encompassing platform to manage all your crypto activities, a secure, unified suite of applications that you can use to research, chart, screen, analyze, report, optimize, and more. You can join the waitlist today. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC. Thank you to Brave New Coin for being a Ledger Status and Ledger Cast partner. And we will catch you next time. Monuments crumble in the blink of an eye. The easy river has just run dry. In a house of cards. I feel the breeze Wound so tight